0: Visit betterhelp.com slash make your bed today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash make your bed. Good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Today is yet another day of book club with Michaela Loach's It's Not That Radical, A Call to Climate Action. And yesterday we left off talking about how a lot of our personal, individual behavior changes when it comes to climate action are only made possible or available to the masses if there is infrastructure implemented that actually create or enable those changes so that we can reduce the obsession with growth just for growth's sake. And I'm not going to lie, when we need to make major changes, it is scary. A part of me was always worried with climate activism about what luxuries I would have to live without. But Loach reassures us, often this need to reduce our consumption of energy has been understood as climate activists asking all of us, even those who are currently struggling with barely enough, to make huge sacrifices and try to live with less. But she says this is a mischaracterization. The need to live with less is true only for the richest in the population, who are currently overconsuming, rather than the majority of us who are just struggling to survive with what we've got. Think about it. Under capitalism, we are producing more than enough food to feed everyone on Earth, yet there still are billions of people who are starving. We have amazing technology and healthcare, but the majority of the world can't access it. We have millions of homes sitting empty, whilst millions are unhoused. But rather than all of these resources being directed by human or planetary need, they are only directed by profits. It is because of this misdirection of resources that capitalism creates artificial scarcity. And obviously, I've only been skimming the book with you and I highly recommend you read the whole thing. But this section right in the middle here is why I decided to share this book club in the first place. Michaela reminds us that in the beginning of this chapter, she depicted an apocalyptic future where we must fight each other for scarce resources. And she reminds us that a lot of us are convinced that that's the only conclusion that can happen. But it's a trick because we're already living in a world with insufficient resources to go around. And in actuality, those resources that do exist are simply being hoarded by the wealthy. It's just another key area where capitalism requires systems of oppression. She goes on to remind us that we've been brainwashed and taught that there's benefit scroungers in the UK or welfare abuse in the US. But if you look at those numbers versus tax breaks for the government or tax breaks for the bank or benefits being abused by government officials. You will start to notice just how masterfully corrupt it is to blame the poor people who need to use those systems to survive, rather than to appropriately blame the people who created these systems. And she comes back to the conclusion that I'm constantly coming back to when it comes to my activism work. She says, to meet everyone's needs, we must move away from the capitalist system which pits us against each other as isolated individuals. And demands we fight over scraps while the billionaires and the corporates bleed us and our planet dry. To move away from scarcity for the majority, we must find a fairer way of distributing resources. And before I get into those suggestions, I do want to remind us all the time of what a scam it is that we have been brainwashed to fight over crumbs while the motherfuckers who actually put us in this fight took the whole pie that we baked. We need to unite and aim for the real problems. As abolitionist and prison scholar Ruth Wilson Gilmore said in a recent interview, nobody anywhere at any time should lack for food, shelter, health care, education, clean water, the kinds of things that we can only produce if we produce them together. The idea of false scarcity is a capitalism must. and It is only exacerbated by manipulating us to consume more than we could ever need. It perpetuates the false illusion that buying more shit will make us happier and more connected to and accepted by our peers. A climate justice-based economy could provide more of the things we actually need and want for survival and happiness and connection for the majority of the population, not just the UK and the global north, but everywhere. All of our lives would be improved if we no longer had to rely on buying things to attend to our emotional health and rather prioritize an economy that exists to center human need and connection to each other and experiences. Skipping ahead, I'll share this from Michaela Loach. Rather than all of us being required to have less, we could instead have more. Warmer homes, better health care, and free time, and shorter work weeks, accessible and healthier food, a universal basic income, lower energy bills through the insulation of homes and heat pumps and cycle lanes, and more focus on cheaper and better public transportation. But of course, this is going to require government intervention to decentralize our energy system out of the control of these capitalist companies and into the hands of local communities, giving the decision-making power to them and implementing the large-scale infrastructure changes that are needed. And this is a movement that I'm going to get into over the next few days, one I've been down a rabbit hole on myself, called degrowth. When we scale away from capitalism and towards a world that is big enough for us all by scaling down growth and consumption, degrowth is going to be a major piece to this puzzle. And I promise you, it doesn't mean we have to go back to caveman era and we can't have nice things. Instead, it will just be slower. It will focus on creating things that last rather than things that we need to replace every five days. And it will reduce our need for external things to fix what actually can't be fixed by buying things. Climate justice will talk a lot about returning to the energy usage levels of the 1960s, but that doesn't mean we have to get rid of all of the technological advances that we've made since then. It just means we focus on making things better, stronger, more connected, so that you don't have to be rich-rich to have the things you need to survive. Systemic change only sounds impossible because the system has a vested interest in keeping us thinking it is. And because the global majority is on board with reducing unnecessary consumption, so any scare tactics that make us feel like it's a bad idea is just that, a scare tactic. And it's bullshit. And honestly, that alone makes the problem seem less big. Anyway, I love you all so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, cutie. Planning for your next trip?